Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We are back in the survey of the scriptures. We're in Shemot chapter 14. Last week we left off left off at the end of, actually we're in chapter 13. Last week we left off at the end of chapter 12, having done a diversion into Galatians to talk about circumcision, and we decided to just cover uh, the whole topic last week. Uh, so <clears throat> we're going to pick up in Shemot 13. This is, as you remember, the immediately after the destroying the 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 uh, the destroyer goes through Mitzrayim and kills all the firstborn. All right, and then we learn about God gives us a, a few little uh, statutes about the Passover, and then we pick up here. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Consecrate unto me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among B'nai Yisrael, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And so that is because he would have taken them had it not been for Passover, right? He would have taken the firstborn, right? The Passover is what saved them, right? Is that true? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes, Daniel, that's right. And Moshe said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Mitzrayim, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, Yehovah brought you out from this place. There shall no chametz be eaten. This day you go forth in the Chodesh of the Aviv. I think we covered that once already. <clears throat> the Chodesh of the Aviv. Who remembers what that is? It's... The uh, the ripening the of ripening the of the month of the in that month the ripening of the corn of the barley of the barley okay ripening of the barley the aviv is in reference to the condition of the barley it's that, it's, that, it's, that condition means it's in the ear or it is ripening. All right. In other words, there is a grain there. All right. It's not just a bud anymore. It is a grain. It's ready to, it's almost ready to eat, to harvest and eat. Okay. okay. When so, you say ear, I thought about corn. Well, yeah, you know, corn is a grain. And as a matter of fact, in, I think the King James translation, some of the places where it says grain it actually says corn in the King James. There was no corn in Israel, best that I could find back then. I'm sure there is now, but I don't think there was back then. Okay. I don't think it was indigenous as a farming product in that land at the time. So, but this is specifically in reference to the barley. Okay. Remember when we had the plagues and the hail hit, the barley was not smitten, the flax. The barley was not aviv, so the, the hail didn't hurt it. You remember that? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, so so we've we've traveled some time and we have a new chodesh. What is a chodesh? Month. Oh. The new the, the oh, beginning yeah. of the new month. Somebody said new moon. Describe it for me. 
a waning to the right. Very slither. The slither to the right. Not waning. I mean, I'm sorry, slither. Slither to the right. Yes, it is a very thin, it looks like a fingernail. Yeah, where the finger is pointing to your right as you look at it. All right. Um, so it is a crescent. It is not a concealed new moon. The concealed new moon wasn't really calculable until the atomic clock came out in the 1960s, and then they could pin it down. And that's when everybody switched to calling the new moon that black disc in the sky that no one can see. You can't observe that moon. Right. God tells us to observe this moon, to see it. All right. The reason we're, we're revisiting that is because many people, even in the, especially in the Messianic community, have gone to a concealed moon in order to determine Passover. And that is not what God said to do. Now, they will tell you there were special people in Israel who could, who could accurately guess the, crest, or the concealed moon. And I think they're full of hogwash, to be honest. But uh, whether they could or not, they can't see it. And that's not what they did. It's, it's almost an anti-Semitic thing, but there's, there was one Jewish person that I, you know, that tried to tear our congregation apart about 10 years ago, if that long, six, eight years ago, probably, um, who went to that observation. And that's what's funny is it's not an observation. It's a, it's a calculation. They, they, mm -hmm. they get it from NASA, basically, uh, and wanted us to, to switch and had convinced several members of the bait den and higher members of the congregation that they should persuade me to switch. And I cannot go there because that's not what the word says. The word says to see the Chodesh of the Aviv, the, the crescent new moon, a Chodesh is a crescent. They use scriptural gymnastics and they take advantage of people's ignorance of Hebrew to try to use a word that means that they think always means concealed. And it's, it's in one of the daily Psalms, if I'm not mistaken, that, that they use a, a little, one little verse they use to say, see, it's a, con it's a concealed moon that we're supposed to uh, look at. Actually, I think it's today's Psalm. So let's just go there. That doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't, but you, you'd be surprised. Around how someone would say, that's it when we can't see it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's asinine, really, and but but a lot of people have gone that way, and they're and they're leading them, they're leading lots of people in the messianic community to a concealed moon observation uh, in order to have Passover. <clears throat> What's today's Psalm? 80, 82? That this has confused me so much over the years. I'm so yeah. glad you're doing this. <clears throat> um, twenty four forty eight. At the full moon? No, it would be the full moon. Yeah, yeah. It is okay. Uh, where where do you see that? Four. 
verse 4. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> bakese leyom they say that this is the concealed moon. You'll notice I did this translation, but that's also the translation that the, Jew, the Jewish Publication Society did. Blast the shofar at the Chodesh at the full moon for our Chag. You blast the shofar both at the Chodesh, which is Yom Teruah, and you blast it at the full moon for the Chag. The Chag is Sukkot. Are you with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what they do is they come along and say, see, blast the full moon at the at the Chodesh, at the concealed moon for the Chag. There is no Chag on the first day of the month. Is everybody Man, this is talking about two separate events and they're trying to blend it into one event. They're trying to make it into one event. When when for for 2,000 years our Jewish people have translated this as as a, uh, a full moon because it's it's clothed it's covered in light are you with me no mm-hmm. the, the, the moon doesn't have its own light right so kise does mean to cover all right but in the first century this meant full moon you can see it all through the Mishnah the, the, this is the full moon in the Mishnah is referred to as Keset. All right? Because it's covered in light. Because the moon doesn't give its own light. It gets its light from the sun. Oh, covered in light. It's covered in oh, light. Yeah. And here they come 2,000 years later and say it's a concealed moon. So we have to move our day by one day or two days or three days because they don't know how long the moon is concealed for. Except now, again, we have atomic clocks that can do that for us. But mankind is always just wanting to change things and follow mankind when God says to observe it. So if someone throws this verse at you, you need to show them this is at the show, blow the shofar at the Chodesh, the only shofar that we're commanded to blow the only Chodesh that is we are commanded to blow a shofar for is Yom Teruah, the day of the blasting of the shofar. All right? Right. That, and we that's also that. blow it at the Chag, which is super. Right. There, are, there are shofar blasts galore at Sukkot. Right. right. So we're blowing it on both. And that's what the psalmist is telling us to do. Blow it at the at the at the chodesh, blow it at the full moon. Does everybody understand that? Mm-hmm. No. I think I, I think I messed up a little bit because two separate. So the, the the blast at the chodesh is for the new moon that they are saying is concealed, which we know you see a sliver of it. Right. You also blow it at the full moon, which is at the at, the- at Sukkot. The first day of Sukkot is the 15th of the month and the 15th of the Chodesh right, is always right. a full moon. If you go by the Jewish calendar, the 15th of the month may not be a full moon. That's why we don't follow the gotcha. calculated gotcha. Jewish calendar. Because they move it around. It's a big guess. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. It's a calculation. Gotcha. All right. So it's not always going to be on the full moon. Ours is always going to be on the full moon because we set our Chodesh not by the concealed moon, but by the revealed moon. 
the brand new moon. That's what Chodesh means, new, mm -hmm. right? So it's mm -hmm. that first sliver of light. And the 15th day from that night, the moon is always full. Always. So we're always going to have a full moon. Other people are not. Especially if they do it on concealed, they're going to miss it. All right? So, and their target is they want to have a full moon on Passover. Passover is not supposed to be a full moon. They needed more light the day they left. They, they had their Passover Seder in their house on the 14th. They left on the night of the 15th. They needed that big, huge full moon on the 15th when they left. It was light for them. Are you with me? Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, the Echad uh, typically is a, where they have to go somewhere. They have to go to Jerusalem and they need the light because they live a long way. They may have been traveling at night. Mm -hmm. It all makes sense. I wonder if that's the same word as in um, the morning prayers from Tehillim 104, where it says, who covers yourself with light as with a garment. That word is kasalma. But no, that's the, no, the that's coffin. The, the, the word for cover there is ote. Oh, ote, Kasama. Yeah. Okay, ote or. Okay. Ote. Ote, Banky. All right. So it's important that you understand that the Chodesh of the Aviv determines the rest of the, the, rest of the feasts. All right. And so this is in the spring. The barley is the first grain to be aviv. So in the in the twelfth month of the of the since the since the Passover before, we've counted twelve chodeshes, right? And so in that twelfth chodesh, which is a twenty-eight day period, plus or minus, all right, we're starting to watch the barley. The barley gets ripe. We see another chodesh with the ripe barley. We have our first month. If we see a 13th chodesh and we do not have ripened barley, we have a 13th month. Month, right. Does everybody have that? Yes. Yes. All right. Write that down. <laughs> I don't want to have to explain this next year. <laughs> All right. So... <clears throat> So you are, you are determining all of the feasts by this clock right here. Here's your friend, Jennifer. Oh, okay. You're determining all of the feasts, starting with Passover, by the Chodesh of the Aviv. Some people say the month of Aviv. And they mm -hmm. think it's the name of a month. And mm -hmm. technically, on the on a on a calculated Jewish calendar, it is, but that's not what it's saying in Hebrew. Gotcha. The month, the chodesh, the renewed moon of the ripening of the barley, the of the barley is implied. All right, because it's the first grain to ripen. Gotcha. All right. So that is determining all of the feasts, that and the chodesh. So it determines the first four right away, except for Bikarim. Bikarim is related to Passover, right? Right. And it, it's related to the Shabbat after Passover. So that Bikarim moves around, but it determines the others. It determines Passover, unleavened bread, and uh, 
Well, I guess we have to wait on we have to wait on Bikarim to get Shavuot determined. Shavuot, right. right. That's what I was going to say. Right. Bikarim is first fruits, right? Yes. Yes. So, so anyway, so that I want you to understand a chodesh is a visible crescent new moon, and and it's you're going to see it to curving to your right. And Gamliel, who knows who Gamliel is? The one that Paul studied under. The rabbi that taught Paul, Gamliel, is quoted in the Mishnah, and it says that in order for him to verify his witnesses, so I'm going to describe this process. The expected day of the Chodesh would arrive. The people would report to the temple asking to be volunteers. It was an honor. It was a privilege to be a volunteer to go out and be the one who sights the new moon. And so they tell us that hundreds of witnesses went out all over the land to go and see if they could spot the new moon. And as soon as if they saw it, then they would race to the temple. They wanted to be the ones to have their names recorded in the annals of, of the temple as having seen the moon. And they had to go out in pairs. And a lot of times it was fathers and sons who would go out, spend the night out in the out in, on a hill, usually, to try to spot the new moon, and then they would race to the temple. And when they got there, Gamliel drew several different versions of the moon on his wall. He would draw it the right way, the way that he expected it to be seen, and he would draw it several wrong ways. All right? And he would ask them, when you spotted the Chodesh, what did you see? S-E-E, -E, with your eyeballs. What did you see? Right. Yes. And they would point at the one that they saw, and if it was wrong, they could not be certified as witnesses, and they would not declare the new moon. But they had other witnesses coming in, and if they had more than two pairs to verify it correctly, then the Hodesh was declared. So Gamliel, that's how high he made it up. He was, he was the one to determine that. Okay. Uh, so it had to be seen, guys. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That the Chodesh has to be seen, all right? And it has to be seen when the barley is ripe. All right, questions about that? We're actually going to revisit that here in a second because it comes back to it. But any questions so far? No question. It's just, it's crazy how people try to Flip things, man. I mean, it's, it's they take just... something so simple and make it so convoluted and so contrary to God's words. And 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 what what frustrates me is they manage to get away with it and convince a lot of people of it. Right. Yeah. And I sit here screaming at the rooftops and and <laughs> three people. <laughs> we hear you. <laughs> I hope so. Yes, sir. And it shall be when Yahweh shall bring you into the land of the Canaani, the Chiti, the Amri, the Chidi, and the Yevosi, which he swore unto your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this Chodesh. It's being very specific. When you get into the land, keep it in this Chodesh. Seven days. Seven days shall you eat matzot, and in the seventh day shall be a hug unto you. 
Now, I can't remember. It seems like we did go over it. It seems like I drew you a picture of the seven days, right? Yeah. 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. 18, 19. Yeah, the day 20. and night, right. Remember mm -hmm. that? Up yeah. to the 21st, seven right. days. And in the seventh day shall be a hog unto you. And the reason I bring that up is because this is a Jewish calendar. This was this year. They had their Passover on Friday night. Passover began one, 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 two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, day eight of Passover. Did you see that in the scriptures? No. Seven. Now this is our calendar. April, we had a snafu. We didn't get. <clears throat> What's a snafu? We didn't get the Chodesh on the second. We got it on the third. Oh. We didn't see it. It wasn't there. So we got it on the third. We had planned for Friday. Remember that? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't come in until it, it, the Chodesh didn't come in until the third. And so that put Pesach on. Saturday night. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The evening, days begin in the evening. So the seventh day of Passover was the following Saturday. All right. So that's why we do what we do. Pesach seven. So Pesach began here on the right side of this. Does everybody understand why I'm doing that? Mm -hmm. Yep. On the right side of this day, Passover began. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that day began on Friday night. Friday night, right. All right. That's not what you see on the Jewish calendar. It starts on the right side. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, and the proof is they count eight days of Passover. <sighs> Show me where God said eight days shall you count. Eight days shall you eat matzot. Eight days shall you observe this hot. Is that what it says? No. Seven, Seven days. Seven days. Where did they keep their hot? On the on the eighth day. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, it, it's not, I finally realized that that was probably the reason, one of the major reasons that our, that our Jewish people rejected Yeshua. And, and it, it, my, my realization came in phases. First, I realized that they didn't recognize Yeshua because Yeshua kept Passover the night before. But that was so minor a thing that they may not have even known that he did it. And then I realized why it was so huge a thing. It's because Yeshua is the authority. 
what the rabbis will teach you is that they are the authority. And they had the authority to move it. The Catholics do the same thing. <clears throat> the Catholic popes, several of the Catholic popes have come out and said, yes, we move the Sabbath. The church has the authority to do that. They said that. The rabbis say the same thing. All right. I ain't fixing to go there and say, well, you know what, God? You said seven, but we're going to do eight. You said keep it on the night of the 14th, but we're going to do it on the 15th in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And uh, damn the generations that follow us, we're the authority. They need to do it the way we say it. And that's effectively what's happened, guys. All right. Matzot shall be eaten throughout the seven days. Not eight days, seven days. Four, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, up to the 21st. Not into, but up to it. Everybody with me? There shall be no comets. There shall no comets be seen with you, neither shall there be seor seen with you. And we covered that already in your borders. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, it is because of that which Yahweh did for me when I came forth out of me trying. And it shall be a sign unto you upon your hand and a memorial between your eyes that the Torah of Yahweh may be in your mouth. Mm. So it's something that you do and something that you see that you may speak. That's right. The Torah of Yahweh may be in your mouth. God says do it for seven days. Our rabbis say eight days. That's what's in their mouth. Something lies. else. Lies. lies. Exactly. Our fathers have inherited lies. Our fathers have inherited lies. That's right. For with a strong hand has Yahweh brought you out of Mitzrayim. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season. From year to year. Le moada. Le moada. It is an appointed time. It's written in God's appointment book. For 6,000 years, it's written in his 7,000 years, it's written in his appointment book. It's already there. People are missing it. That's why he calls them my feasts. They're not the Jewish feasts, they are his. <clears throat> All right. Miyamimiyamima. From, from days unto days, from years to years, all right? So it, it's important to know this and understand it, and I want you guys to be able to articulate it and explain it to people, because every year they're going to ask you, why are you guys different? Why do you do it different? All right? And you need to know why and to be able to articulate it. Questions or comments about that? Yep. Way more important than it seems on face value. It is very important. It's, it's very important and it's frustrating because when, when people leave the proper walk and go rabbinic, they no longer keep God's feasts. They're listening to the rabbis. It's just like Protestants are following the popes. 
people who leave the proper walk in Messiah and, and go to the rabbinic walk, I kind of doubt you're going to have any success in changing the rabbis' minds <laughs> and making them do the feast days on the right day. It's not going to happen. But you mark my words, people that do it, they, they jump into the same circle of logic that the rabbis use to explain this away, which is rabbinic authority. They have the authority. They, I have literally, I have had Jewish people tell me that we don't have the ability to understand God's word. And I always hear that theme amongst uh, brothers that want to go and congregate with, uh, you know, Orthodox Jews. There's that theme of um, we're going to get a better understanding. This will bring us closer. <laughs> and we'll, this, this, we'll, we'll get deeper into the word, hmm. you know, or deeper oh, into you Torah. Won't. You'll get, get a deeper understanding. And it's, it's, it's all false. We all talk, we talk about people who deny Messiah. Messiah is the foundation and cornerstone of everything we believe in. And That's you're trying right. to go and learn from someone who de denies the, I'm not even going to say denies Messiah, denies the foundation of everything we believe in. That's you know right. what I'm saying? So Yeshua, it's, it's just, Yeshua is the foundation and he took the authorities away from the rabbis. And so in order for them to, to stay unified, they had to rest the authority. They had to declare themselves as the authority. And they, they in their own town, they boss God around mm -hmm. and tell him how it's going to be. And That's and, what I was thinking of when you were talking about that. You've told us that before. In Talmud, there's an idea that they've had a conversation with God, and they've told God what it's going to be. Yeah. What? And he said, oh, you guys, are, I'm so sorry. You guys are right. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel. Do you not see, do you not say that um, Yeshua is like the Torah in the flesh? Is that have you said that before? I don't know if it's you that said that. Oh it's yeah, like, yeah. So it's like so that so the Jews don't recognise them. So really, they're kind of because Yeshua runs right from Genesis right up to Revelations. So I don't understand why there's this. I don't know. I think it's very sad. That's all that the sort of rabbinical Jews can't see that Yeshua is the Messiah, um, but he is the Torah. It so, is. It I, is that he is. He is the Torah. He is the embodiment of the Torah. He is the foundation of the book, and yes. and so we, you know, on the flip side, you have you have messianic believers who hold a disdain for all of the Jewish people because of because they can't see Messiah. Okay. I don't. I've never. It's never bothered me because God said it. They have been partially blinded by God himself. Right. If God doesn't want that particular Jew to open their eyes, they're not going to see it. And mm -hmm. there ain't a thing we can do about it. Right. Yeah. And I, th I, think, I think the only way that God would, would uh, open their eyes is if we do it properly. If mm -hmm. we stand our ground, if we stand on the on the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah alone as righteousness, that's the only way that we're going to get them to see it. We're not mm -hmm. going to get them to see it by by berating them, uh, by condemning them, right. by telling them that they don't have to be Jewish anymore. I mm -hmm. mean, there's there's all kinds of things that that the other side of the pendulum does that is wrong in handling Jews, in my opinion. All right. But yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeshua embodies the Torah. And I, I shoot, I just posted a blog about that this week. 
All right. And, uh, and I think it seems like we went and looked at this scripture. I don't think I have it open yet. Uh, perhaps just a few weeks ago, did we not look at Ephesians? But do you mind if I revisit it? Is it too much? Oh, oh. Let's look at it. Because I, I really want you guys to understand this. I, and like I said, I, I think I, we did revisit this scripture because I used to have a drawing, and I, I think I said I might do another one. I used to have a drawing of the building, the temple, with the mm -hmm. foundation stone, you know, because I, I try to paint a picture for people because they don't see this for some reason. Um, I am in Ephesians chapter 2. He's talking to Ephesians. They are Gentiles primarily. From henceforth, you are neither strangers. He's talking about Jew versus Gentile in, in chapters one and, and the early part of chapter two. He's talking about making one congregation out of Jews and Gentiles. And he's, but it's addressed to the Gentiles in, you know, in specific. From henceforth, you are neither strangers nor foreigners of Israel. You're not strangers and foreigners anymore. But fellow citizens with the Kedoshim, that's Israel. He's made that clear by context. You are citizens with Israel, children of the house of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the house of God. You could insert the foundation of the apostles, the prophets. And the prophets are who? In this context, it's probably... Samuel to Malachi, mm. right? Okay. Or Joshua to Malachi, all right? Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. This makes Yeshua the Torah because God didn't throw away the Torah, did he? Right. No. In Paul's mind, the Torah was either included here or here. Right. Does everybody understand what I'm driving at? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. All right, so yeah, you have to have Yeshua as the interpreter of the Torah, and that's what the rule of the Kodesh is for. The, the, the Jewish people, there's no secret about it. They're brilliant people, and the rabbis are brilliant men. They're smart, and they can, they can hold it, they can fool a lot of people because they are brilliant. They work at being brilliant, they spend their, you know. It, it, I used to know the exact number, but the Jewish people are 0. 0.0000. I can't remember how many zeros, but it's probably five or six zeros. 0. 0.00002% of the world's population, but they own about 70% of the Nobel Prizes. Mm -hmm. They're brilliant people, all right? But they're lost as geese because right. they don't know Messiah. And for someone who says he believes in Messiah, who wants to put them themselves under that authority takes you right out from under the the what's supposed to be in your mouth all right <clears throat> where were we all right and it shall be when Yahweh shall bring you unto the land of the Canaan as he swore unto you and to your fathers and shall give it to you did I start the recording are we recording yeah I did 
um, that you shall consecrate unto Yahweh all that opens the womb, every firstling that is male, which you have coming of a beast, shall be for Yahweh. And every mm-hmm. of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and you shall not redeem it. If you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons shall you redeem. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come say, what is this? That you shall say unto him, by strength of hand, Yahweh brought us out from Mitzrayim, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Paro would hardly let us go, that Yahweh slew all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to Yahweh all that opens the womb, being males. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be for a sign upon your hand and for frontless between your eyes, for by strength of hand Yahweh brought us forth out of Mitzrayim. So what is the sign upon your hand? And isn't that the second time he said that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you do it. That you put, that, that you put, put your hand to it to do it. Exactly what? The firstborn of the, the, the firstborn to redeem them or the firstborn of the animal to, to uh, sacrifice. I agree, but I honestly think it's the whole thing. I, because remember, it started... Consecrate the firstborn up here. Mm-hmm. And then it closes with consecrate the firstborn. So it's not only doing that. What I want to, what I'm pointing out is the, so you guys might be thinking of Pidyon Haben, the redemption of the firstborn, the ceremony that we do after right. a boy is born, right? Mm-hmm. Where we actually conduct this ceremony. Some of you guys have seen that, right? Right. All right. It's connected to Passover. Do you see that? He talks about the firstborn. I brought you out. I want you to to consecrate the firstborn to me. I want you to do this service in the month of the the Aviv. And he describes that in detail, right? You're not going to keep any... 11 in your homes. You're going to get that out for seven days. He reiterates, he summarizes the whole of Passover, adding to it, not just the Passover meal, but also the redemption of the firstborn. And that, that is the sign. Okay. Got you. Are you with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Effectively, it's an abbreviated way of saying, keep the Torah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it yeah, because do, doesn't this little phrase, which is given right here at Passover, then become part of the Shema? Yeah. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. All right. And so that's that's the point that I'm making. It's So it's not just one thing or the other, that that the Passover, this was the, this was the sign of the covenant for now that Israel had is was keeping the Passover and redeeming the firstborn because they weren't going to get into the land until 40 years later. They didn't know that, but they, they still had some time. It was going to take them at least two years to get into the land because what did they have to do first? Who remembers? Uh, they had to go to the mountain. Go and, to the mountain? Mm-hmm. And get the uh, instructions. Get the Torah? Mm-hmm. What else? Before they could go in the land, what else do they have to do? 
They have to get the stuff for the Mishkan? They have to build the Mishkan. Everything that goes in it and the Mishkan itself, and they have to start worship. And they were supposed to do all that. And then when, once they did that, then they were ready to go into the land. And they were to go into the land. And Melanie's been saying it in the background, circumcised, because that generation wasn't circumcised. Mm -hmm. All right. So there were criteria that had to be met. So this, this idea of doing what God said to do is already being put in them and it's being rooted in Passover. Mm -hmm. And of course, Yeshua started the whole Christian faith. And I'm not trying to be facetious or anything, but everything that everybody that says they believe in Yeshua in any form or fashion started at Passover. Just like keeping the Torah did. Right? Okay. Are are you talking? Are you referencing um, the the last Passover Seder that Yeshua had before his before he sacrificed and was risen? Absolutely, that's exactly okay. what I'm talking about. He instituted the covenant at Passover. Mm -hmm. God is instituting this covenant at Passover. He hasn't given them the Torah yet, but mm -hmm. He has given them laws already. He gave them to him in chapter 12, right? Okay. Take a lamb, bring it into your house on the 10th day, uh, sacrifice it this, or this particular way, cook it this particular way, put the blood on the doorpost of your house, uh, circumcise any Gentiles that want to come into your house with you. He's given them all these ordinances. There's already been a whole bunch of ordinances given, and then he gives us some more. Redeem the firstborn, because they're about to have some babies. They're going to have some babies on the way, even if they made it into the land without having to wait 40 years. It's going to take them two years to get to the point where it's time to go. So they're going to have some babies, right? And if they are firstborn, they need to be redeemed. So God is already giving them the Torah right here. It's already being issued to them, if you will. All right. All right. Questions or comments? Yes. So in effect, they're being they're being saved out of Mitzrayim. They're being brought out of Mitzrayim just yeah. on out because of that Pesach. They haven't yet received the Torah. Were you making an analogy that as the Goyim, when we are brought into faith with Messiah, that we receive salvation and then we move on? in our in our walk before abba and we and we learn the torah and we obey absolutely i was wow and, and so deep. let's go look at that and uh, most people don't realize what yeshua did at that passover seder they just they, they don't see it for some reason that's why that's why passover is such a big deal to me mm -hmm. i love sukkot i love all the feasts and and i love sukkot and all the festivities of of assembling in our booths and all of that but for me, Passover is the most important one because what we are trying to do at our Passover Seder is portray the covenant of Yeshua to people. And it's worked. We had, we had a, a, you know, you guys know it. We had a Jewish man at our Seder who was Orthodox mm -hmm. and who watched the Seder and finally saw Yeshua, sat in our services for I don't know how long. You'd have to ask him. Two years. Two years. Two years. Yeah, he sat in our services for two years and finally came to Passover and it was revealed to him what Yeshua did. All right. And that was because what Yeshua did 
was fulfilled very specifically, and hopefully I'm in the right chapter. 31? Yeah. 31, 31. Verse 30. Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will make a Brit Chadashah, same as Chodesh, same word, brand new, a renewed covenant. Mm-hmm. With Beit Yisrael and with Beit Yudah. That's the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes. Two houses say that he only made it with the 10 northern tribes. They say it right there. <laughs> Not according to the breach that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to, make, to bring them out of the land of Mitzrayim. So that's the covenant that we're reading about right now. And that's what mm-hmm. I just said. He made the covenant with them at the Passover. And all the particulars of it had to be measured out over the next two years. But it began at the Passover. All right? Mm-hmm. For as much as they broke my breach, they broke my covenant, although I was a husband to them. That's an interesting word concerning the renewed covenant. The bride. The bride of Christ. The right. bride of... Yeah. Said Yahweh, but this is the breach that I will make with Beit Israel. That's all 12 tribes after those days. Says Yahweh, I will put, because how, who was at the Seder? What kind of people were at the Seder with Yeshua when he took the cup? The disciples. Yeah. All, all, all the tribes, the different tribes. Yeah. Israel. Most of them from Judah, though. Yeah. Right. They were Jews. Most of them were from the tribe of Judah. That was Israel. There was a remnant restored to Israel already. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the breed that I will make after those days, says Yahweh. I will put my Torah in their inward parts. So, yes, and in their heart will I write it. And I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin will I remember no more. Yeshua took the cup and said it. Mm-hmm. This is the cup of the Brit Hadashah in my blood. This is the cup of the renewed covenant in my blood. So exactly what Betsy said. He makes the covenant with us. He saves us. Then he puts his Torah in our inward parts. And on our hearts, he writes it. And then he is our God. And then we are his people. It's conditional that we stay his people by agreeing to have him write that Torah upon our hearts. He can't can't write it on our hearts if we we won't read it, if we Mm -hmm. refuse to hear it. Right? Amazing. I never mm-hmm. saw those together. Well, and you, when you look into the uh, Brit Kadashah, I believe it was Shaul talking, the, or I may be wrong about who was talking about it, but there is, it says that uh, the Rook of Kodesh will bring to your remembrance what to say, but you can't remember something you've never read. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's Yeshua speaking. It was Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was Yeshua speaking to his disciples, but absolutely, they, if, you can't remember what Yeshua said or what God says unless you read his word. And that's, right. that's the message I'm trying to communicate to people. And, you know, 
blog posts that three people read and Facebook posts that five people read. I'm trying to get the word out there. <laughs> you, are. you are Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. You're not the only one. <laughs> it's terrible. I, I put posts off my Facebook and I get, I get zero, zero things back. <laughs> I swear sometimes nobody sees my Facebook page. I swear nobody sees my blog. I'm like, Google has shut me down. They just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's terrible. laughs> struggling <laughs> uh, but I have to get it start printing it and posting them around town on telephone poles or something <laughs> <laughs> I definitely <laughs> all right so so absolutely we're we're uh, let me get back to Shemote oh I can do that over here So the covenant has begun, and I wanted to revisit this right quick, if I can find it again. Twice he says something like this, and it shall be a sign unto you upon your hand and a memorial between your eyes that the Torah of Yahweh may be in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And then down at the end, it shall be a sign upon your hand and for frontless between your eyes. By strength of hand, Yahweh brought us forth out of Mitzrayim. And Tracy has said this twice. That sign is you walk, you use your hands to affect the covenant of God, and you use your eyes to affect the covenant of God. Where you put your eyes, because where you put your eyes, your feet are going to follow. Right. All right. So it, it's the wholeness of your being that he's talking about because our Jewish people have reduced that down to um, what they call phylacteries. Mm -hmm. And they have a they have a Hebrew word for it. And I'm drawing a blank right now for some reason. Tefillin, tefillin. All right, which is the box that you see mm -hmm. on Orthodox Jewish heads. Yeah. And the winding around the arm and the box. All right. And they, they put the Shema and some other scriptures in that box and they stand there and daven and they pray. Mm -hmm. and, and just about every messianic person I know that has gone rabbinic has begun to do that. And it's not long later, they deny Messiah. All right. <clears throat> that of tying the scriptures around your head and around your hand is not going to save you. And it has nothing to do with what Yeshua is talking about. Right. And I had written an article on this that the tefillin did not even exist in the first century. They don't, they're not there. So messianic people who do that are not following their rabbi because Yeshua never once did it. He didn't carry around his tefillin everywhere he went and, and wrap his arm and wrap his head. And I'm not, it's a Jewish custom and it's, I'm sure it's meaningful, you know, but it is not what Yeshua instructed us to do. And I think it actually detracts from what this scripture is actually saying, which is live this with your life. Right. live this put my words in your mouth follow me do what i say we've already shown you how our jewish people and I, I said it a while ago yeshua has wrested the authority from them and they can't recognize they didn't recognize yeshua because they don't keep the passover with him you know 
but there is not one shred of evidence there was, that there was ever a phylactery, a, a tefillin box, until late in the second century. And they were, they were found at the Qumran, at Qumran in the layer because there are like six different layers to Qumran that the archaeologists have found. And they didn't find the tefillin in any of the earliest layers. They found it in the latest layer, almost at the top, mm. the last generation that lived in Qumran. And there was no uniformity in, in, the, in that anyway. In, in what was a phylactery, what was, a, what was the box, what scripture was in it. There was variation in the little small samples that they found. They found multiple variations of it. So the, the custom was brand new in the second century. Did not exist in, when Yeshua was walking the earth. So uh, there are a lot of people in the Messianic community who think they must do that. What you got, Joe? I was just going to say that it may be for them a way to, I guess, say, look, see, we're following the Torah because this is what it says whenever they clearly do not follow the word of God. They do not follow his Torah as it's written, but that's a way for them to justify themselves by saying, look, we're doing what the word says. Yeah, that, th I do believe that's what it is. But And, it, and it's <clears throat> further than that, it's the rabbis say to do it, so I got to do it. So it shows you who the authority in the in the Jewish community is. It's the rabbis. It's not God. Yeah. It's the same in the Christian community. The Christian community does the same exact thing. They do things that the Christian that the Pope has told them. That's what tickles me about Protestants is that as soon as I realized how papal my worship was, I was like, oh my gosh. Why would I follow these guys, you know, who have murdered believers for 2,000 years? Why would I do that? You know, because Christianity does the same exact thing. They follow the popes. And they don't realize it. And they don't realize it. They and, think they and, broke away from them. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they say we are Protestants. We protested against the Catholic Church. We don't follow them. Yes, you do. <laughs> if you worship mm -hmm. on Sunday, you follow the popes. If you worship on Easter, you follow the popes. If you practice Christmas, you follow the popes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and it came to pass when Paro had let the people go that Elohim led them not by the way of the land of the Philistim, that's the Philistines, although that was near, for Elohim said, lest perhaps the people turn around when they see war and they return to Mithraim. So God knew that the, the Philistines would attack them. But Elohim led the people about by the way of the wilderness of Yam Suf, that's the Red Sea. And Bnei Israel went up armed out of the land of Mitzrayim. So we read in chapter 12 that they gathered swords and jewels and everything that the Egyptians had. All right. And that's why they went up armed. They were slaves, but now they've got weapons. They were disarmed, but now they're armed. And that's, that's how they went up. So they, uh, he led them not by the way of the Pelishtim. All right. So I want to look at this right quick. We will probably revisit it. We've looked at it once a few months ago or a couple of months ago, yeah. but it's critical that you understand 
that they cross this thing because a lot of the maps today that you see will have them going through here. And some people have them, they're crossing of the Red Sea over here. That is not the Red Sea. That's the Gulf of Aqaba. All right. But you'll see maps where I can show you right here. No crossing of the Red Sea at all on that one. All right. Well, how do they do that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Oh, they trying to say it was way up there at the top? They try to explain it away. Yeah, they might have said it was way up there at the top. There's no way. All right? You could not make it from here to here in three days. It's impossible. From, from here to here, you can make it in three days with two million people, including old women and children. All right? They crossed, in my estimation, roughly in this area. And Mount Sinai is somewhere in here. We've talked about that before. But Pihahiro is up here, and Sukkota is right nearer to the water. All right? And you're mm -hmm. going to see that's where they were. I'll try to find a better map maybe next week because we'll probably revisit that a little bit. Um, he led them out by the wilderness by Yam Suf, and they went up armed out of Mitzrayim. Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him. For he had straightly sworn B'nai Israel. So Yosef had sworn Israel, saying, the nation, saying, Elohim will surely remember you, and you will carry up my bones away from here with you. And they took their journey from Sukkot and encamped at Etam in the edge of the wilderness. And Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might go by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night departed not from before the people. So that is precision <laughs> navigation right there. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't have a better gyroscope than that. I know that's right. <laughs> all right. But those those places are all up in this area. Sukkot and Atom are all up in this area. All right. <clears throat> Questions or comments before we move on? <clears throat> I want to talk about Joseph's bones. All right. <clears throat> Yosef, what happened to Israel's bones, the man? Where did he die? Oh, he, uh, they took him and put him where uh, Rebecca was. I mean, where uh, Rivka was. <laughs> Right. And where Abram was, where they all were. That's right. He wanted to be buried with his people. He instructed Yosef, when I die, make sure you carry me up and bury me there. I don't want to be buried here. Mm -hmm. Yosef had a similar sentiment. And before he died, he told them he, he was contented probably to be buried there. It doesn't look like he had let himself be mummified, even though he had that right because he was a king. He was a ruler in Egypt. Had he been mummified, he wouldn't have carried bones. They would have carried a sarcophagus out of there. Boom. Right. Good. That was a good one. Yeah. So he wasn't mummified. Mm -hmm. All right. Carrie, they took the bones of Yosef. The reason that I believe he wanted to have his bones go is because of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. 
He didn't want, he wanted to be with his people. He wanted to rise from the grave around his family. That's right. And that's how it's going to happen. They're going to rise all at the same moment. Remember? You and I know that. It'll be hard for me to resist going there. <laughs> but the shofar shall sound and the dead in Messiah shall rise. Were these guys in Messiah? Yes. Thank you. Anybody else agree? Yeah, 100%. I agree. These guys were in Messiah. There's the belief. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with Jennifer earlier. We were talking about the promise that God made to Abram way back when about the seed. And when he mentioned that seed, and it said when he believed on that, on what God said about that seed, that it was counted to him as righteousness. And that was him believing that he would send the Messiah through his lineage. He also believed in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, Emunah is, is trust in Hadevarim. Faith, firm faith is trust in the words. You could say the book of Deuteronomy, the Torah, the words in which there is hope as if they have already come to pass. It, the, re, the, the resurrection is prophesied in Genesis. Mm -hmm. Resurrection that Messiah will bring about is prophesied mm -hmm. in Genesis. Go is back. That, is, that, is that the verse about the, the woman and the, the woman's heel bruising the serpent or something? Is that right? You know the, the that's, verse that that's one place, yes. But what I want you to do, and I don't know if you've looked at it yet, but go to our... Go to the very first study in this study on our way. Right. I'll just show it to you. Okay. Go down to Chronological Bible Survey and go to week one. Because okay. if I remember right, we show you a picture of Yeshua right out of the gate hmm. in that study. All right. That was the first study in this series. We're in 31 now. This is week one. Uh, and you'll see it. It is the revelation of unseen things. Faith is the revelation of unseen things. And mm -hmm. in this manner, it was a testimony to the ancient ones. For it is through emunah, firm trust, firm faith. Aman means a hard foundation. That's what aman, emunah, means. That we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of Elohim, the word of God. So that the things which are seen came to be from those which are not seen. It was Emunah that Hevel, Abel, the brother, offered a more excellent sacrifice to God than Cain, Cain. And because of this, he received a testimony that he was a tzaddik. What is a tzaddik? Righteous. A righteous one. And Elohim testified to this offering, his offering. Therefore, even though he is dead, he speaks. By Emunah Hanoch, that's Enoch, crossed over and did not taste death. First man to translate from mortal to immortal on the spot. Hanoch, Enoch. And he was not found because Elohim took him. But before he brought him across, there was a testimonial about him that he pleased Elohim. Without Emunah, without firm Hard trust, man cannot please Elohim. 
For he who seeks, he who comes near to God must trust that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By Emunah Noah, when he was warned concerning things not seen, became fearful and made an ark to save his household. Save his household. Uh-huh. By it, he condemned the world and became the heir of Tzedakah, the heir of righteousness, which is by Emunah. By Emunah Avraham, when he was called to depart for the land which he was to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By Emunah, he became a sojourner in the land which was promised him, as in a strange country. And he dwelt in the tents of Yitzhak and Yaakov, the heirs with the him, with him of the same promise. For he looked, he looked for a city which has a foundation, whose builder and maker is Elohim. He was looking ahead to the city that God would build, and it wasn't Jerusalem on earth. I submit to you, he was looking for Messiah. He was trusting in salvation through Messiah. All mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Through him and also Sarah, who was barren, received strength to conceive a seed. Uh, go to the go to the web page to get on is all I can say. Someone send Deanne the link. Dan. The link for the Zoom link. On. Send her the, the web page in a text message of the Zoom link on our website. She's got apparently got an old one. All right. Through him and I also Sarah, who was barren, received strength to continue. Deanne is on already. Yeah. She just told us. Okay, maybe the text was delayed or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Through Emana, also Sarah, who was barren, received strength to conceive a seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she was sure he who had promised her was trustworthy. Therefore, there sprang from one who was as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in number and as the grains of the sand which is on the seashore. They all died in Amonah, not having received the promise, but they saw it from afar. What is the promise? That he would give them a land. It's more than that. Flow with milk and honey. Um, eternal life. Eternal life. Well, yeah. City whose foundation, with a foundation, whose builder maker is God. Amen. That's what he was looking for. They saw it from afar. So I want you to picture this. I've taught this before, but I don't know who was in it or who, who might remember it. Abraham sets out walking with his son Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is told to go to get to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the same mountain where it's in Jerusalem and it's where the temple would eventually sit. Mm-hmm. It says he's three days away. And he, be- he lifted up his eyes and he beheld the mountain afar off. Mount Moriah is not that big. He did not see a tiny Jerusalem mountain. He saw a city whose builder and maker was Elohim. Mm, right, 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 right. Gotcha. He was walking by faith. Yeah. 
all right? That faith happened to coincide with Mount Moriah. That's where God wanted his faith to take him. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. They saw it afar off and rejoiced in it. And they acknowledged that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Mm -hmm. They understood that their home was with God. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Yep. For they who speak so declare plainly that they seek a city of their own. And if they had a desire for the for that very city from which they went out, they had time to return to it again. But now it is evident that they desired a better city, that one that is in heaven. Therefore, Elohim is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. It had nothing to do with earth. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> now look at here's the big one by Emunah Abraham when he was tested offered up Yitzhak Abraham offered up Isaac he offered him upon the altar his Yahid I just commented on that today on Facebook his beloved one the one mm -hmm. to whom his soul was knit did it yeah all right even that very one who had been received in the promise. So Isaac was the son of the promise that God made to it, of whom it was said, in Yitzhak shall a seed be called forth for you. And he reasoned in himself, it is possible for Elohim even to raise the dead. <laughs> because of this, Yitzhak was given to him as a proverb, a mashal, a proverb, a mashal in this context is a prophecy. Isaac was a prophetic symbol of the resurrection of Yeshua. <laughs> Abraham believed in the resurrection. <laughs> Therefore, Joseph believed in the resurrection. Take my bones back. Mm -hmm. I want to rise from the dead with my family. Oh, man. <laughs> Any questions? It's right there. I think it's his next, too. Talking about Yosef. Huh? I his said his next? next coming up. Let's look at him, yeah. By Emunah Yaakov, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Yosef, and he worshipped, leaning on the end of his staff. By Emunah Yosef, when he died, made mention of the departure. Yep, here it is. And gave commandment concerning his bones. <laughs> it wasn't a matter of keeping Torah. It was a matter of faith. <laughs> That's right. Everybody got that? Yeah, that's yes. awesome. That's awesome. That's why Moshe did. So we could say Moshe did this by faith because he knew, he believed also that God would raise Yosef from the dead. It was worthy to go out of the way to from, from Goshen to go get his bones. He had to go out of the way. That's why it took him three days to get where they were going. You know, when, when I was talking to Joel, uh, and I, you know, was just asking him questions about the the faith and the belief of some of the the, the uh, Hasidic Jews, and and he was saying, they like, well, you know what, we just we just live here and then we die, yeah. you know. So so they kind of stopped believing in the resurrection. I guess that's the house of uh, Shemai. but um, it and it, it behooves me because I'm like, okay, if y'all read the same word. And here it is explained here by Paul, who came later. But you guys didn't see that? You know, it's like 
why do you think that you know the bones were taken up? I, I just for them to be so smart, to be so dumb, you know, and just let yeah. things fly over their heads. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have the effect. I put on a second pair of glasses. I don't know. If <laughs> I was trying to get my eyes to look really big, goobery. You know. <laughs> Maybe if I turn this way. Okay. The point being is is yes, I have a prescription on both of these lenses, but when I put both of them on, I can't see. <laughs> I can, can kind of see, wow. but I can't see. See, <laughs> they read the Torah through the lens of the Talmud, mm-hmm. which the Talmud by now is not one book; it's a library. Mm-hmm. It is a library of writings that they they must study. F- they understand the Torah based on what the rabbis said, not on what right. the Torah says. Yeah, they don't yeah. study it for the for the plain meaning of what the Torah says. They study it based on what the rabbis have concluded, and the and and all of those rabbis who wrote the Talmud, every last one of them rejected Yeshua. They're yeah. blind, and so anybody that studies under them views the Torah through those Coke bottle lenses. Yeah, so sad. It's sad. And they can't see the resurrection. And so, yeah, they don't believe in the resurrection. <clears throat> and look at Yosef's faith. Elohim will surely remember you. He knew he was going to die, but he knew God was going to keep his word. Mm-hmm. And when he does, bring my bones up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And they took their journey from Sukkot and camped at Etam in the edge of the wilderness. And Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. All right, I want you to look at that in the Hebrew. It's no great mystery. Amud Anan. Amud Anan. Amud is pillar. And Anan is cloud. A witness of a of of a righteous seed. Mm-hmm. The way that you could look at that. Amud Anan, and then a pillar of fire by night. Lanechotam, lanechotam, lanechotam to comfort them or guide them on the way. Then Lila at night, Ba'amud Esh, a pillar of fire. All right, Amud Esh. I just wanted you to see those and be familiar with them in case I say them that way. That's Yahweh going before them in People miss this. <laughs> and the, and, and it, people think I take the scriptures too literally. You're about to see how very literal this sentence is. All right. Be Amud Anan. In. Not as. As would have been Ka'amud Anan. But this is Be Amud Anan. In a pillar of fire. All right, and you're 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 you'll see that here in a minute. Maybe another 
two chapters. Maybe in the next verse. Anybody ready to move on? Yep. Yeah, Deanne's pointing out that Anan is also the word he answered. Mm. So it's a play on words. All right. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto Bnei Israel, that they turn back and encamp before Pihahirot, between Migdol and the sea, before Baal Tephon, the Lord of the, of the north. Over against it shall you encamp by the sea. That goes back to our map. I believe that puts us right in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's been the stand, standard archaeology of the thing for a long, long time until recently people have decided to move it around. And the the smarter they get, the stupider they get, in my opinion. All right. And Paro will say of B'nai Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So God told him that Pharaoh was going to pursue them. Ooh. I will harden Paro's heart and he shall follow after them and I will glorify myself in Paro and in all his hosts and Mishraim shall know that I am Yahweh. So the, the reason for God sending Pharaoh to follow them was to prove to Egypt <laughs> that he is Yah. So they will know. All right. But the thing that I want you to understand is it was on purpose. It didn't catch God by surprise. Pharaoh is an obvious picture to me of Hasatan. God sent him to Israel. God sent him after Israel. You're being chased and pursued by Hasatan sometimes. Chill out. It's because God is trying to show somebody that's against you who he is. Ooh. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, Joe. Mm-hmm. That's a principle that we need to latch on to, people. Yeah. And I said we. We got we to gotta trust him in everything. Just trust him. Everything, because it's about to get stinky in the earth. Stinkier. You know, it already is. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's not, you know, we're not we're not suffering yet, but we're seeing the the house of cards crumble, aren't we? You're yeah. right. We're not suffering, but you already feel the heat coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you know, you, you know it's coming, and and it's been, you know, I saw a report today that you know I saw a report two days ago from a <clears throat> very respected financial guy who has finally said it: depression is coming. Yeah. All right. And um, I saw a report today of the same effect, the same net effect, not the same words, but effectively brace yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, they're coming for our self-defense. They want to take that away. They want to take, you know, they're just attacking on every side, you know, and, and I've said it for years. I don't know if people remember it, but I've said it before any Natsal or Chataf happens, before God takes anybody out of here, we're going to go through the birth pains. Some of them. You know, all of them. We're going to go through all the birth pains and they will lead to the tribulation. You know, 
but I think we're in the birth pain. So we could be, I, I mean, I mean, it, you know, in 1929, it was, it was America, you know, and that caused other things to happen, but now it's a global thing. You know, I think it's worse this time, you know, that's just my assessment. Um, and so I think it could mean that we're in the birth pangs right now. And Hasatan is pursuing, you know, he's eating up your supply, probably, mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can to tear us down. Yeah. And, and God told us it was going to happen. God told Moshe, he's pursuing you. <laughs> and, and he wasn't supposed to be surprised, right? Right. Well, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, he's been, God's been telling us this stuff is coming. All right. And it was told the king of Mitzrayim of Egypt that people had fled. The people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned towards the people. In other words, they said, dang it, we got to go get them back. What is this we've done? We've let Israel go from serving us. <laughs> and he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Mitzrayim and captains over all of them. And Yahweh hardened the heart of Parol, king of Mitzrayim, and he pursued after Bnei Israel. For the sons of Israel went out with a high hand. And Mitzrayim pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Paro and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pihahiro in front of Baal Tephon. And again, I think that's right here on the edge of the sea. Ten. And when Paro drew near, Bnei Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, Mitzrayim was marching after them and they were sore afraid. <laughs> It should be. It's kind of human nature to be afraid. We got to get over it quick, right? No way to go. Bnei Israel cried out unto Yahweh. And they said unto Moshe, Because there were no graves in Mitzrayim, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? After all they'd witnessed, <laughs> they've got this cloud standing in front of them. Wow. Yeah that has led them, that won't die, that is obviously intelligent, and there's somebody standing in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and they still have the audacity to get mad at Moses. Hmm. Why then have you dealt with us to bring us forth out of Mitzrayim? Is not this the word that we spoke unto you in Mitzrayim, saying, Let us alone that we may serve Mitzrayim, for it was better for us to serve Mitzrayim than we should die in the wilderness. And Moshe said unto the people, Fear not, stand still. I want to read that to you in Hebrew. Do not fear. You will not fear. That's how it literally reads. You will not fear. Hidyatsevu, stand up, stand firm. Ureu, and see. These are all commands. This one is. You see, right? Et, yes. Yeshuat Yahweh. Salvation of Yahweh. Yeshua's name 
is right there in it. That's Yeshua's name right there. With a tav, which means a sign, <laughs> a signature. Mm -hmm. Salvation, the signature of Yahweh. Mm. You got that? Yeah. 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 Which I shall do for you today. For you will see me trying today no more. No. Forever and ever. Od Adolam. No more forever and ever. Yahweh will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Yahweh yilachem lachem ve'atem ha'harishun. Huh? Yahweh will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Any questions? The signature of God is Yeshua. You see that? The sign of God is Yeshua. Salvation. It was all about salvation. Yeah. I'm making a note of a gram grammatical error I have to fix in the screen. All right. <clears throat> That's what I wanted you to see. Yeshua. Yeva. Salvation of Yahweh. All right, so we are beginning to see Yeshua's name is the point that I'm making all through the Torah. Yeshua all through the Torah, especially in this section. What you got, Deanne? Um, when it says uh, stand still and it's that he yatsfu, that's, I want to say, almost... Well, almost in um, Psalm two, where we sing Lama. Yeah, um, he gets it. Yeah. Yep, and it says, "Take their stand, do the kings of the earth." So, somebody's going to be standing. We might as well be standing too. That's right. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's it is the exact same word, and it's in the same binyan. It's just conjugated differently, um, slightly differently. It might be in the might be in a slightly different binyan, but I'd have to look at it. But it's the same word. And it, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they're standing up against God and we're supposed to stand up against them. What she's talking about is Lama, which is a song that I wrote that most of you are familiar with, uh, which quotes Psalm 2 in Acts chapter 4. The believers are praying because Peter has been arrested, if I remember right. Peter has been arrested and he's just been released and or, or he's about to be released because of their prayer. And they actually pray Psalm 2 because Psalm 2 is about Messiah. And this same word is in there. The kings of the earth have stood up against Yahweh. And that's the kind mm -hmm. of, it's a military stance. So I'm kind of glad you brought it up, Ian. It's a, it's a firm footing. Stand up and see Yeshua. All right. 
So this goes back to the concept of those who trust in Yeshua being an army, those who declare the good news mm-hmm. are a great army, like in Psalm 68 that was in our, our reading last week. All right. So um Daniel, Daniel Jr. here. Hey, I just wanted to quickly throw something out there. I love the visual that you just gave when it came to instead of just stand up, stand up and fighting stance. And that that mental picture is so vivid and it's so powerful compared to just kind of stand up. I mean, I, that's why I love the Hebrew language and your explanation of it. It makes so much more sense when you understand the nuances of the words. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. This, yeah, yeah. To stand there is simply amad or omed. So, yeah, this is a different. This is a different word for standing, and it's a, it. It is set your feet, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, <clears throat> and it, you know, and and look at it, yilachem. It's a war. Yilachem is from the word milchama, which means war. Mm. All right. Yahweh will war against them. War. All right. But, you know, you don't, you don't stand behind a warrior all looking at your phone and, you know, and scratching your nose. You're, you're at attention. <laughs> You've got a firm footing. You're, you're, you're on the ready because it is a war, right? So, yeah, I, and I appreciate that, Daniel. There is something to it, uh, the nuances of this language, absolutely. Yes. All right. Where was I? Hmm. Why do you cry unto me, speaking to B'nai Israel, that they go forward? So if you're looking at the map, forward for them is through the water. Right. All right. We don't know how exactly how close to the water's edge they were, but they were close. Mm-hmm. God is saying, start moving. Go forward. They only had one way to go. They only had one way to go, and that was toward the water. Right. They had to go where it was unpleasant, where it was scary, where it looked like death. God said, go that way. And then he tells Moshe, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And B'nai Israel shall go into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Now, I want you to picture this. <clears throat> All right. What verse is that? 16. Harem et matcha, your staff, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand. On the sea, Al Hayam, Vekaeu, Veyavo, Bene Israel, Betohayam, Vayabasha. And I've said this before, and I can't remember what context, and I think it might have been our diversion a few weeks ago. Yabasha on concrete. Hmm. <laughs> now, concrete didn't exist, but that's the idea behind Yabasha, wow. firm, Solid. hard ground. Wow. You will go through the sea on hard ground. It, you know, if you drain a pond or a lake, <laughs> the ground is typically soft and mushy. 
Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. And it would take, it would take months to, to a year to dry it up and make it hard. They walked through on hard ground. All right. This is why the modern estimations of what might have happened at the Exodus are hogwash to me. All right. I take this very literally, and I believe that's exactly what happened. The waters piled up on the right side and on the left and made walls. Mm-hmm. And they walked through on a concrete floor. Wow. They were they were towing buggies and donkeys and cattle and all that stuff. If it had been sashi ground, they'd have been stuck. Right. This is the extent of the miracle, guys. This was major. Yes. Major. This was un unheard of. This was sci-fi crazy stuff. <laughs> but it happened. It and, happened. And and there there's you you can't why reason it away? Why try to figure out how did they do it tells you exactly what happened. God hardened that ground instantaneously. And I will strengthen the hearts of Mitzrayim and they shall go in after them. And I will glorify myself in Paro and in all his host upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And Mitzrayim shall know that I am Yahweh when I have glorified myself on Paro and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Malacha Elohim, who went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And then the pillar of cloud removed from before them and stood behind them. That is huge. And I can't stand that most people don't see that. What did we say a while ago? In chapter 13, I think it was. About the pillar that somebody was yeah, well, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Yes. Yeah, I well, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. What verse was I in over here? Um. 19. Yeah, I knew it had a 9 in it. I thought it was 29 for some reason. Malacha Elohim. Who is that? Is that not the same thing as yod heh vav Yep. You've already learned all through Genesis. You've seen Malach Yahweh, the messenger of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. You and I all know who this is, right? Right. This is, this is the word of God manifesting in an angelic body temporarily called Malacha Elohim, Malach Yahweh. In the cloud. Yeshua. Is it Yeshua? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. He eventually becomes Yeshua, yes. And we kind of got a hint about him back up here in, in, in the previous verse, in verse 13. Yeshua Yahweh. You stand still and you will see. Yeshua Yahweh. And they stood still. And then look who comes out of that cloud. (laughs) Do you see it? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Can't unsee it now. Can't unsee it. I can't either. No no amount of of, of tap dancing that Jewish people can do can convince me that that's not Yeshua. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and no amount of tap dancing that Trinitarians who believe that Jesus is God can convince me that this is not Yeshua. Separate from God the Father, but on earth nonetheless, in a, in a, in a form of a human being. He looking like a man. Yeah. <laughs> right. He removed and went behind them. The water is in front of him. The cloud had taken them to the water. The messenger removes, comes out of the cloud, and I believe they can see him in there. Hmm. He comes out of the cloud, moves around behind them. Then the pillar of the cloud removed from before them and stood behind them. Hmm. You got that? Mm -hmm. So the Malak Ha'elohim moved before the cloud moved. Is that what you're... Showing that's what it says. Yes. That's what it says. Let's go look at it in the in the Hebrew. Vayisa then traveled Malacha Elohim, the messenger of God traveled, Hahalech to go before the camp of Yisrael. Then Yelech Meacharehem. The Yisa Amud, the cloud traveled. So there's two separate separate travelings going on. The messenger and then the, the cloud of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, the pillar of, of cloud. Everybody see that? Yep. Two separate events. That's exactly what it's saying. The messenger goes first. He removed and went behind them. And then... A pillar of cloud removed from before them and stood behind them. So this messenger is telling the cloud where to go. And that's kind of, so you have a picture here. You have God on his throne in heaven. You have Yahweh speaking to Moshe out of the cloud, by the way. That's where he is. Mm -hmm. And then he tells Moshe what to do. And Moshe does it. And when he does it, the messenger comes out of the cloud and moves around to go between Israel and Egypt. The sea is on the other side. Now they can see the sea. Before they may not, they might have known it was there, but they may not could have seen it because the cloud was there. It was leading them, right? Right. The messenger comes out and goes around behind them, and then the cloud does, probably rejoins each other on the other side. But you have God, this messenger, and this spiritual looking thing hovering. Tell me that's not a picture of the rule of the Kodesh. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say that. Right in the beginning, because he hovered. Fire and a cloud. Mm -hmm. That's the rule of the Kodesh. And it's stirring and moving behind Yeshua. Yeshua is leading the Ruach, not the other way around. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you get into Trinitarians' heads, and they a lot of charismatic people boss the spirit around. They tell the spirit what to do. Guess, who, guess whose job that is? Yeshua's. Yeshua's job. Mm -hmm. Ain't none of our business. God doesn't answer to us. And by the same token as, as our rabbinic community has said that they have the authority 
and the Catholic community has said that they have the authority. Shandai Rondai people think the same way, that they can boss God around with their tongue and do and do powerful and magic things because of their own tongue. Right. And that's a dangerous place to be, in my opinion. And I'm not dismissing the fact that there is a power of speaking in another language. I just don't believe it's being used in the right way. And I think most of it is fake. It came between the camp of Mitzrayim and Yisrael, and there was a cloud in the darkness here. This is what's so cool. Cloud and darkness on one side, but it gave light there on the other side. So that it was nighttime. Mm -hmm. The darkness was on the side of Egypt and the light was on the side of Israel, shining <laughs> on the sea, showing them where to go. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like, in, like in Mitzrayim. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, interrupting again, there's got to be some way to get this visual. I mean, Paint it in the right way. Yeah, exactly, because this is probably one of the most important things that, you know, one of the most important scenes in the Bible. And, and if there was a way to get a visual properly done for people to see this stuff, because, you know, everybody, at least I do, I see things like when you see things with your with your mind, they stay forever. But if you just read it, especially if it's translated, in, you know, from Hebrew to Latin to Greek to English, it loses so much. But if you could see it. I think it would be a tremendous you know, tool to really bring people's eyes to the power. And, and I wish, I wish I'm a, I used to dabble in art, but I, I don't anymore. And I simply don't have time. I wish I could paint that scene. I wish, or, or coach someone in how to do it. What you got, Joe? Well, just to piggyback off of what DC two was saying is because most of what is depicted is a little bitty like a funnel cloud almost like a little skinny tornado kind of a thing you know what i'm saying it's like i'm in reading this you know in visualizing it i'm seeing something way way bigger than just that you know we're talking about millions of people they all had to see it are you going to see one little funnel cloud you know I, I, it's got to be much bigger yeah this is this isn't no little whirlpool thing this is this is this is category seven tornado you know three miles wide this is huge and it's light on one side and dark on the other. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you didn't get that in the Cecil B. DeMille movies. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, you didn't get it in any, any movie that they've made. They've not represented it very well at all. And I've never seen an artist rendering of it that satisfies me now. I see it in my head. I wish I could just put it to paper. But, um, but it is important. Just as important, there's one other artistic scene that I would like done. If anybody knows an artist that can pull these things off and that's Yeshua hanging on the tree, but that's never been done. Right. And we'll talk about that when we get there, but, but yeah, I would love to have those images corrected. I try to paint them verbally for people as best I can, but I would love to have them represented. Yeah. We could probably find an artist on fiber. Look, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter to do it. Jordan is good. Yes, she is. <laughs> Get her after it, Jalissa. <laughs> or it's him, right? Him. Yeah. 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 All them J's, I get them mixed up in my head for a second. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, where was I? Uh, we were. 
Moshe 21, Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night and made the sea dry land. There's that word Yabasha again and the waters were divided. And B'nai Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. All right. We're going to stop there. I want to look at that. There it is again. On hard ground. Hard ground. A wall. On the right hand and on the left hand. So they walked. There were straight up walls and a concrete floor to go through. And that's, that's probably about where we need to stop. Any questions or comments? <clears throat> where, what verse did we leave off on? 22? Yeah. Yeah. No thoughts? Anybody? Uh, no, deep study. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm it, speechless. It was... Chock full of wisdom. Yeah, that, that's Amazing. a lot. Bubba? Hey, I, I, would like, I would like to throw one thing out there, team. If we could just pray for someone to come, you know, maybe one of our friends that we don't know, a graphic designer or videographer that we could engage to help, you know, put into visual, even if it was a small visual, like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, just something. I've had it on my heart for a while too, because I've got little kids. I've got a nine, seven to five-year-old and I would love for them to, you know, really see and understand, you know, what it looks like. Some of these beautiful scenes in the Bible, you know, when, you know, they're walking through the water for, you know, uh, creation, Yeshua on the cross, just if we could find some way to, demonstrate this visual so if anybody knows a graphic designer or artist or whatever let daniel know because i'm going to follow up with daniel here you know in a day or two and see what we can do to make some of these powerful scenes come to life okay. speaking of which i happen to know um a really good author that i think should uh go into writing children's novels <laughs> good information in this especially in this day and age where our children are getting a bunch of garbage in school. You trying to put more on my plate? <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. Um, okay. No questions or comments? Can you show me that word um, again, hard ground in Hebrew? Yabasha. Yeah, um, yeah, let me find it again. I know it's in verse 13. Let me go back up there. Well, maybe not. It was in 21. Was it? Mm -hmm. 21. 22. Right there. Mm. And remember, this is a prefix. This so, is the noun. Yabasha. Uh, so together, this is Bayabasha, but then Yabasha without the. Yeah, Bayabasha means on, on, dry ground. 
Daniel, I keep thinking about when Yeshua comes back with a cloud of witnesses to rescue Israel, but I, I don't know. It seems like maybe that's not necessarily alluding to that, but no, um, no, no, there's, there's people in the messianic. And, and when I say that the messianic community that believe that there's going to be a second Passover, I don't believe that at all. Yeshua has fulfilled Passover. It's done. Oh, I never on. heard that. I never heard that, but just the fact yeah. that because Passover already happened. Bingo. They had Passover in Egypt, but this is a destruction. Well, of and Yeshua had Passover when he died on the tree and rose from the dead. That there was all Passover. Yeah. So we're mm -hmm. done with Passover. Absolutely. Wow. But I love where Moshe says, and you will see them no more. That's uh, right. Forever. They're vanquished. They're ended. They're done. Forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and and yeah you I, maybe maybe i now understand your question a little better we're not quite done with hasatan yet exactly so in one sense we are in the sense of sin is done yeshua has conquered sin but but uh death and hades or hell shell and and the grave we're not done with those yet yeah all right so so we do have that in our future in one sense, but I don't for a second believe that we're going to have a second Passover where people are going to be, there's going to be, whether I don't know what, what they think that God's going to part the Pacific ocean so we can go to Israel when times get bad because we can't fly. No, because Yeshua has said it's finished. Yeah. Passover is done. Yeah. Matzot is done. Bikarim is done. Shavuot is done. We're waiting on Yom Teruah now. There's, I can't unsee that. No, no amount of tap dancing by any of those guys is going to change my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sign off now, guys. It's three in the morning. Thanks very much. You know. Hey, oh. I'm glad you joined us. <laughs> Get yeah. some sleep. Right, Good night. That was great. Bye, Thank Joe. you. Good to have you. Shalom. Good night. Good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.